Today podcast, where we encourage you to draw every day. On today's episode, we have a panel from DragonCon, hosted by Don Mates on copywriting, trademarking, and how to protect your work. Join us for some discussion on the topic, then the thoughts of a panel of pros. So, Mike, I was at DragonCon back in September, and I was able to get to one of the panels that they offered, which was put on by a number of professional artists, uh, namely Don Mates, who was moderating. He decided to have a panel on copyright infringement and trademark and protecting your work. And uh, I believe you've been able to listen to that uh, to that panel. There was definitely some interesting topics going on there in relation to how people need to look at almost the business side and protecting the work that they create. How do you think that that particular group, that, that group discussion really pertains to, you know, the illustrators out there, new, old, uh, everybody is it, it do you think that's something that really uh, affects everybody that's a, that's an artist yeah hey mark yeah i listened to the uh the panel that you had recorded i thought it was great i think this is the kind of information people really should be hearing especially younger artists i think you know just the way the world has gone in the last you know 10 years with you know the majority of the art being digital people's reference you know being being easy lots of digital photography lots of you know easy digital means for manipulating images and uh, appropriating images i think it was great to listen to these guys and uh, listen to a panel of, of real senior artists that come from an era sort of before art was this easy and before appropriation was this easy i think it was uh, a really good to get these attitudes from these artists where it kind of sounds like you know they expect more respect to be paid to the the pains and the craft that they put into their images and i think just there's so many pitfalls with with the way work can be manipulated these days and with and with the fact that the illustration industry in general has been a little bit um, devalued by by uh, modern technology so I find it really good you know just to bring balance back to the conversation um, from these older artists and, and I also personally know people who are on you know both sides of the spectrum of this discussion ones who have had you know, their work stolen, uh, you know, who people have usurped it to use it as their own or to promote themselves in some way, shape or form, thinking that no one would either notice. Uh, and then I've also known people who have created works of their own, which may have been based on something that they found online or they found in a book uh, and figured that as long as they manipulate it in, in a certain way that it's, you know, it's now their, their work. And in some cases that may not be true. So, you know, he hearing, hearing the responses and, and the, the technical discussions from people who've been in the industry for decades and have, have worked in, in multiple different portions of the industry, uh, you know, and, and how some of these issues affected them can really does make, should make everyone think not only you know new students and you know and and fresh artists to the scene but the people who you know maybe have been making art for decades but never really thought about this kind of uh, this kind of problem yeah I, I can't help but but think that there's just a real divide between sort of you know I would say 
mid 1990s artists and and post pre mid 1990s artists and post mid 1990s artists for i guess i just see that as a point because i've lived through that i went to college in the early 90s and you know my career has been after that and just my personal experience seeing how just in that short amount of time you know art has gone from you know even just things like typography you know the painful old-fashioned ways of typesetting the painful old-fashioned ways of doing graphic design the painful old-fashioned ways of crafting paintings and illustration to today where you know people can sit and use a tablet on a couch with you know software that has an undreamt of power and you know all the world's images available at their fingertips so it was great to listen to this panel specifically because I think that's where the divide comes is is the fact that we're listening to a group of, of artists who have built their reputations and their portfolios and their careers on the production of, of physical artwork, of, of crafted artwork, of artwork that, you know, takes real skills and time to hone and to render. And, and the split is today, you know, when an image is just shown on a screen or shown digitally in some manner, there's just that separation from the original, from, from the act of crafting. I, I think people wouldn't steal necessarily a physical object from someone, but when something is digitized and is on a screen, I think there's there's sort of an attitude and an understanding out there that it belongs to nobody, it's free, and, and that work was probably easier to make. Even though the work could even be physical art, scanned or photographed, once it exists digitally, I think it just becomes part of the big, pile of photos and visual phenomena on the web and thus subject to you know people treating it with with less dignity and respect than physical objects what do you think about that i i actually think you're absolutely right on that uh i think the computer has changed a lot of things where uh you know before the computer and before digital art and people were painting and drawing you know say you know, someone say there was Frazetta created a painting. Um, you know, you would have the people who were uh, inspired by Frazetta or wanted to paint like Frazetta, uh, and then there were the people who might have outright copied Frazetta, uh, where there was still the effort was involved in trying to in, in having to create that you know piece um, and there was the work involved and and that portion would still exist but in the realm where in order to do something similar you can take an image off a screen you can put it in photoshop you can push it around with a liquify filter to to you know take someone's photograph say offline and, and <laughs> stretch their ears and make them into an elf or uh, you know, take and 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 clip a you know clip a sword off of a picture and stick it in someone's hand, and and now you know people feel like that that maybe this is their own piece of work. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a much easier it's a much easier time for people to do that type of stuff, and and it just opens up a lot of avenues for you know infringement of you know the creative process from the people who are actually you know spending the time composing photography or posing images you know, for paint or, or even composing digital images, you know, that are, that are painted on the computer. Uh, you know, just the, the, the tools of the tools have changed. And in a lot of cases made, uh, I, I, I dread using the word piracy, but, you know, having that type of thing in, you know, piracy of, of art and, and creation is just easier with that, that invention of the computer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, digitization just imbues things with malleability. I mean, if you if you have a painting in front of you and you want to manipulate it, what, you have to go and buy some oil paints and some brushes and some mediums and put it on an easel and start painting it. But the malleability of, of digital pixels, once, once it exists on your memory stick, you know, you just put it into any program and, and the pixels, you know, are easily pushed around in, in any sort of program. But I think it's, it's the technology is obviously probably the largest single reason why there's been this shift. But I think I think we also have to look at the market and the clients. Like this isn't separated from the, the digitization issue, but the fact that, you know, maybe publishing today and people's tastes and the marketplace for illustration, I think we have to look at how that's different as well and how that, um, how that affects the cheapening of, of illustration and imagery and the cheapening of, of people's attitudes towards artists work so i mean some of the things off the top of my head are just the fact that you know you can take a photo and manipulate it and make it artistic looking or you know even an art director can take a photo now with a digital camera they don't have to hire a photographer with expensive equipment and, and get you know uh, proofs in a professional photograph development process done um that's a technology issue, but not a computer issue. Other issues may be the fact, like I said, of people's tastes. Maybe complex imagery just doesn't sell anymore. Crafted imagery just doesn't sell as well in a broad range of instances on covers versus, let's say, a more graphical treatment, a more graphic design treatment, a more high contrast treatment of a subject. Um, you think back to you know the old Norman Rockwell illustrations and the Golden Age illustrations where, I mean, illustration wasn't just about grabbing an attention on a magazine rack it was about you know the the viewer really becoming a fan of the art and the artist and reading the story of the illustration and the illustration had a much larger sort of role and a much deeper sort of connection with the viewer whereas today you know the artwork is is completely just you know it's it's there to dazzle and, and grab your attention because the marketplace is just so crowded people well, you, are desensitized by you know movies and and fancy visuals and other formats but you also have the instant gratification world that we have today where you know if you think about for example the technology of photography you know 150 years ago when the camera was around when the camera was first invented you know it, it was a process it was not something to be taken lightly there you know there was expensive heavy equipment that needed to be uh, purchased lugged around learned how to use you know uh, if you were going to take a picture you know it was something that was composed you had to get your people to you know pose in a certain way you know the the invention of the the smaller portable film camera you know made that easier for people to take a picture yet you know you didn't know if the image you were taking was going to be viable was going to turn out good bad and different ugly you know and with the invention of digital cameras you have instantaneous gratification of you know say I can I can take a, a thousand photographs in an afternoon because as long as it fits on my memory stick that's fine and but then it also, on the other side, though, of that coin of being able to generate these images, is, you know, are all of these images artistic? All are, uh, is every image that is taken just randomly from every person on the planet, uh, you know, is, is it art or is it just something disposable? 
then when you have so many things that are disposable being posted on the internet and being posted online where people just, they post them just so other people can see the stuff that they've taken randomly, it's, in some ways it cheapens the, the value of imagery itself because it's just, it could be done by everyone anywhere at any time, anything in any manner, and all of it goes up into a forum where everything is free for viewing or for downloading, whatever the case may be. So the, the mindset of the people uh, you know, in today's world just becomes one of images have no value, so it doesn't really matter what I do with them. Yeah, no, that was, if I didn't make myself clear, my exact point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe you were clear, maybe I just wasn't listening. <laughs> maybe I wasn't clear, maybe you said what I meant to say. I guess but, we'll see. I, I, guess. I think you're exactly right, and I think I'm exactly right, because I think we said the same thing. Um, very well, man. <laughs> but other than that, I think there's also, you know, the issues of taste and style, you know, going further with that. I mean, you can go into a bookstore and probably see on a book cover, you know, uh, a piece of origami shot in photography or an image drawn in mud, you know, a a building, you know, uh, you know, there's just a million different ways, you know, people are sensitized to different images these days, to different graphic design solutions, to different, you know, manners of, of creating communication art. Whereas I would say that wasn't as common, you know, 30 years ago, people wanted that literal story told in image format. No, it probably wasn't acceptable put certain things on a magazine cover and today you know people are just used to seeing everything and probably the shock and attention grabbing aspect that magazines and books need to employ you know just just furthers that use of anything goes so yeah taste technology craft just a myriad of, of reasons so it, it was great to hear this panel you know of artists that you know have, have been around through the changing of this era and uh, and hear their concerns because I think as artists it would do us well to try to uphold those concerns and those standards as much as possible. Otherwise, I mean, where does it end? Where does the degradation of our professional standards and income, where does that end? You know, if, if the going rate for a cover illustration goes from 3000 to 2000 to 1000 to 500 how does an artist make a living? And, you know, how, how do new artists get bred in that environment? Instead of talking, why don't we take a listen to the panel and uh, let our listeners decide. Yeah, well, so, so how about we, uh, without further ado, uh, here is the panel from DragonCon on copyright. Okay, um, I am Don Mace, and um, I'm responsible for this panel. Um, the reason I suggested this panel is because intellectual properties, which is what artists create, are very important in today's marketplace. People are trying to grab them from artists and from creative people, and they try to grab them through copy, through contracts. And so I wanted to get a bunch of people that are familiar with co copyright and contracts to explain you know, what the situation is going on today. Um, as best as we can, so people are prepared. Is if you're outgoing artists and you're encountering um, these contracts, you have an idea of what you're negotiating. And that's me. anyway, if you want to see what I do rather than just listen to me talk, please come to my booth in the art show, and I'm happy to talk at you some more and sell you something. Yeah, <laughs> I know I'm doing that. You know, this is a scam. <laughs> 
I'm Todd Lockwood. I'm an illustrator. I've, I work in books and games and, and other various things. Um, and yeah, copyright is, is really important. There's more ways that people try to grab copyright than just through contracts, though. Well, that's the legal way. That's the legal way. They yeah. also yeah. grab files off the internet and feed over them or repurpose them or flip them upside down and think they've created something. And you kind of have to be vigilant for that, too, and, and proactive. I want to ask you a question about uh, what you have to say to me, Art. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm Larry Elmore, and uh, I'm an illustrator for a long time. And this is the guy that taught me everything I know. Don't blame me. Yeah, it's the little <laughs> stuff. No, but you're not dead yet. That's okay. Um, we're introducing ourselves, and you're just in time to do that. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. Hi, I'm uh, William Stout, and uh, I work in a variety of fields. Uh, I do factory uh, <laughs> reconstruction of prehistoric life for natural history museums. I do comic books. I do album covers, CD covers. Uh, Make movies. Uh, he did the Dragon Con logo, that beautiful logo right. that everyone sees. Dragon <coughs> Con logo. I, I've done uh, 45 feature films. Uh, one of the ones I'm most proudest of recently is uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, but I started out doing Conan the Barbarian films and First Blood and Raiders Lost Ark and stuff like that. And uh, just working on a whole variety of uh, different things. second most informative person that I know. Um, anyway, I, I go to um, the Ringling School of Art and Design to lecture this to graduating students just so they have an idea of what they might be encountering out there because unless you've been there and done that, you just don't understand it, you know, or what could be lost. You know, when I got out of art school, nobody told me this stuff. I mean, it was like you go out there and you paint and, and you know, Bless you, my son, and off you go. And um, you know, all of a sudden, things happen, and they're out of control. And, and you know, you're, you're getting an education, and hopefully, some of what we say is you know, an education in advance. One of the things that, when I do this to the students, I say there are three interrelated aspects of this. One is copyright, the other is um, contracts, and the third is originality. And the reason being is that when you create something, it is yours by virtue of the copyright law. When, once you've created it, you own it. You know, protecting it is something else. Um, and, and documenting it is something else. So if you are creating something that is not original to you, like you're, you're swiping something or doing what, you know, unfortunately all of us did was emulating Frazetta beyond what is, is inspirational, okay? Um, when that happens, you can get in a lot of trouble because of contracts. Because every contract that I've been involved in, there's a little thing saying that, you know, this artwork is original to you, okay? And if it is not, 
that company is going to, if they get sued or get in trouble, they're going to put it on you because you signed that contract saying that it was original to you and it was not. <coughs> you lied and you can get, you can get sued. That, you can includes, get in trouble. that includes copying from photographs in magazines like National Geographic and stuff. That's all copyrighted as well. I bet the Obama poster most recently made the biggest noise. Yeah. The guy took a photo of Obama and made that famous yeah, poster. I remember reading and the photographer sued. And it was a loud deal for a while. Yeah, there was a Jimmy Buffett cover where the artist had done a portrait of Jimmy Buffett, and the guy who took the photograph that he worked from successfully sued that artist. Yeah, really. I heard of um, through Greenwich Workshop, there was a guy who um, did a painting of this, you know, this cowboy and this horse, and um, the guy that owned the horse, you know, sued the guy because he didn't have a, a, a release for the photograph of the horse. You know, you needed that picture on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I might say, when, when that thing came up, there were two horses' asses going involved in <laughs> One of the crucial things to remember, uh, the Copyright Act of 1972 that says, as soon as you lift your pen or pencil or brush off the work, you own the copyright. However, you still need to register it with the Library of Congress. If you don't, here's what happens. Uh, let's say somebody steals your artwork, uh, copies it, uh, and you you haven't registered it. Well, uh, you can have them cease and desist. They can no longer profit from it anymore. However, if you've registered it, that entitles you to damages. And damages is a big deal. That means whatever the settlement is, you usually get four times that in damages. And, and when, when he's talking about it, there's a little bit more nuts and bolts. I did a, um, a panel with a copyright attorney. And when the copyright and when you're dealing with a copyright attorney, they want it a slam dunk. And their attitude is, you know, once you do the sketches, you register the sketches, and then you do the the original art, and then you register the original art too, because he wants to go into court with an ironclad situation. He wants to get in there and get out and win. Okay? And so if there's anything nebulous involved in the proceedings, and as illustrators it gets really difficult because um, you're dealing with, you, rec you do a painting, and it's first publication right, so you have to register it as its first reproduction. So if you do, you know, a book cover, you have to register the painting individually as its first reproduction as a book cover. <coughs> if you just do fine art paintings and you don't reproduce them, you can do like a group as a year. Okay, of my artwork because it hasn't been reproduced yet. But first publication is what you're registering the copyright as. So let me ask you a question. If you assembled a bunch of your artwork into like a, a one of those print-on-demand books and tried to register the book, would it cover all the images in it? Depends if the images in it were published in that book for the first time. I ran into this Probably in my calendar. Probably work in, in most of our right. cases. What I, what I did, and I don't know if, you know, I have not gone to court for a copyright issue, okay? I've registered most of them, yes. I don't want, it's an argument. You really don't want to do that. And one of the things that, that I do, and I don't know if it's, it's going to work or not because I haven't been in court yet, is any time anyone reproduces my work or asks to reproduce my work, I insist upon it saying, art copyright dominates. Okay, I am making an announcement that I own that copyright, which I do, registered or not. I own that copyright. You know, if I, you know, I can do a cease and desist. 
You know, I can get uppity and say, you know, I, I'll take it according even if I lose, you know, and they, I may be able to settle out of court. You know what I'm saying? It, I mean, if you had, you know, all the money in the world, you don't need to register because you can, you can go after them and pay the attorney fees and pay the, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you don't even have copyright, you know? The, the, um, the civil damages. you register an attorney will not take it. No, they won't. They, they don't. They will not do it. Um, and, and the other thing about uh, the damages, at least from what I understand, is if you go to court and you have not registered, the judge will penalize the person that infringed you on how much money you would have made on his specific infringement. But well, not that's right. I'm so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I was given this years ago, and I've been out there listening to you. Well, I don't know. What I, and, and, there, and there are gray areas, and I talked to the copyright office about the gray areas, and I said, look, and I'd rather... I'd rather at least make the attempt so in case there is some discrepancy, yeah. the judge can see I'm making an effort. And that is like, this. Um, for example, uh, I did a calendar and, you know, oh no, my art book, okay? And what I found out was that the art book came out and the guy didn't register the art book. And I didn't know that until after the fact, okay? There were, there were no images in the art book that were first publication, but the book itself needed to be registered. And there were a couple of images that may have been the first time they were in that book because I hadn't published those images. So it was just one or two, and I said, look at you know, I'm going to register them in there, even though it's not first publication, but at least it's on record that I made an effort to copyright this. So, well, this, um, this all goes back to the first sentence you almost said was like, when you come out of art school, it's like go out there and paint and God bless you. you know? Yes. And that's all you get. Yeah. That's all you get. Yeah. And you just don't know. Um, but, you know, there are things like, and, and Bill's taught me a whole bunch of things that you know, can do that, you know, hopefully will preempt, you know, a, a bad situation. Are the well, what, are, what's the, go ahead. Are the registration forms online? Or? Yeah, it's all yes, digital okay. now. I yeah, mean, Library of Congress. Okay. So and, it's each and, and I did it digitally, and I screwed up a number on my calendar. Right. And it was forever fixing it, you know? Like, I ended up, you know, copyright registering <coughs> two years in a row instead of one year and then the next year. And getting that one stupid digit changed. <laughs> so, <laughs> does it cost to register? And, oh, uh, 60. Oh, library of oh, 60? Yeah, oh, even better. Oh, yeah, even better. You've got a whole library of images. Is what strategy does an artist use to protect themselves? Uh, group copyright. So you can batch. You, you can, but you can, you can. But if they've been published already, they're going to say, "What's the first yeah. publication?" Yeah. Does yeah. it cost money to register copyright? Yeah. 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 And so you know, you have to document the first publication, and generally they want, like, um, if it's a book cover, two copies of the book cover to accompany it. You know. <laughs> yeah, you, know. you register yeah. with the Library of Congress. Another thing after I think I just start turning the credits. Got more small weight. Don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> Another thing you got to remember is if it is brought to your attention that someone has stolen from you or ripped you off, you have to. You have to. Go out yes. yes. You, you can't pick and choose. You can't just pick the deep pocket people. You have to go after every single one. If you don't, you lose your copyright. And that's how Mad won the Alfred E. Newman lawsuit. Because the person suing Mad for the likeness of Alfred E. Newman had not bothered to pursue all these other examples of where they had duplicated that image. And, and the judge says you just you can't pick and choose, you have to go after all of them. As soon as you are aware that that has been violated, you have to go after it. Yes, Mr. Part of that also was trademark, because trademark doesn't allow for naked licensing. 
Someone who owns the copyright says you can't do this, then we'll take it off. Right. I never tried eBay right away and they shut this down. I did they, too. They did. And I gave the girl who was selling them the very basement rating for her little business. Well, she emailed yep. me and said, Oh my God, you ruined me. And I said, Sorry. Yeah. You could have ruined me and yeah. a bunch of people I know. Yeah. But the, the problem was with, with that situation was I asked eBay, who did you sell these to so that we can inform them that it's not public domain and they would not give that information. They said it's proprietary and they cannot do that. And I went international on it. They would not do it. And it made me angry. They said, well, we'll put you on the first time. Anytime your name comes up, we'll, we'll, let, we'll inform you. And I go, yeah, well, what about the guy that buys this thing and knows it's public domain before I get back to you? You, you just ruined my career. Oh, we can't do it. Know, and so you know, you go to court with a thing like that, and you're you're at the mercy of the judge. Um, there's another thing that um, I heard about with a guy who went to court with a copyright situation, and what he had it was John Siri Lester, the wildlife artist. He has um, kept some preliminary works of his paintings. Okay, like I have the drawing, the transfer drawing, and I have them in a drawer. You just fold it up. So if somebody infringes me and says, I did this, you didn't do it, I go, this is a preliminary, this is the line drawing that was done for this. It's an in-production work. And anyone cannot produce in-production work if they're infringing a copyright. So it's just another arrow in your quiver that may help you, you know, that, that the attorney can use in his, his, his armament, if you will, in the, in the lawsuit case. So don't throw away all your sketches, document whatever you that proves that you are the creator. Is no one else going to put the copyright on a sketch for you? I mean, uh, well, this is why the lawyer says every time you do a sketch, you know, register with the copyright office. But you know, that's sort of insane. But like if I'm if I'm doing a sketch and, and I'm going to put a, a, a 
when it comes to man books out of a sketchbook, we all put them out there and go all over the place. Well, that, that's a concern, too. You know? you know, but if you have the original, the in other words, if they scan your book, well, yeah, all your sketches, you can it's still sketch the original. Yeah. Okay. There's a digital environment, it's really tough. You know, how do you prove my digital pic picture is not the digital picture? So, when you register, it has to be the, you can only register the first appearance of it. The first publication. The first publication. They so, they if it's done on a book cover, you can't register. No, you can. you got to provide the book cover. You know? No, it's yeah. they, Congress is like the uh, Noah's Ark of books. They want two copies of everything. <laughs> <laughs> website where they were selling them and stuff and then I contacted the guy, sent him a cease and desist and he said, oh by the way, really nice sculpt. <laughs> and so he contacted me, he said, can I license this from you? I said, well of course, that's what I'm in business for. So we, it worked out great for both of us. He licensed it so he could put it out legitimately. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm, I'm going to get royalties from the, yeah. the action figure. Yeah. I, I love win-win negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens, and you know, people. Some, you know, as we're educating you, hopefully, you'll go on and educate other people because you know we want to make money. You know, and when somebody rips us off, you know, we have to cease and desist you, and we don't want to. You know, if you're making a wonderful product, it's going to help us make money. So you know, it's a situation where you know it's not all you know like I am evil and I'm going to send my lawyers after you to cut your throat. You know, it, it's a situation where you know this is hurting me. And um, I need you to stop this, and um, you know, let's talk about this. And when you, know? you say send a cease and desist, do you mean you, you rate the people yourself and say yes. Yes. you will stop, or I will sick my lawyer? I've been do that you have to involve. No, no, you don't say lawyers. Say I just say cease and desist. You know, this is. But this you don't have to right involve a lawyer in that. No, no, I don't say. Okay. No, no, I've, 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 uh, yeah. a couple yeah. people. I've had people to use my art for their portfolio online. Woo! <laughs> I look at them like, I can't believe they're doing this. And I look at my name and it's gone. It's gone. It's just a full painting, but put my name on it. I'm like, I can't believe anybody would do that, first of all. I mean, it's beyond comprehension. And it's like, so I just, I try to, I just you said, so I write to people where I was posted, this is my art. <laughs> what do they got? You know, I'm like, I, I can't believe you know what artists sometimes will do. I mean, there's an artist I thought he, he knew better. You know, he he like lifted a pose of mine. You know, like a figure from a book cover, the same pose. I mean, I recognized the drape of the, the clothing, the, the sword was the, the whole thing, and he used it. And he, and he did it in, in colored pencil, and he put it on his business card. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 and, and so it's like, you don't send them a cease and desist, you send them a cease and drop dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the internet being so big, how do you find if someone has stolen some of your stuff? Oh, people just notify Fans, yeah, fans I mean, are the greatest. Fans are one of your cousins. I think there's some fans on their 24 hours, they surfing everything. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Oh, be right. They yeah. found something. Yeah, but, but, but my son. Also, it's both dread and. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, okay. You know now you notified me. I'm not a you got to do it. But my son is one of these art students that hopefully will have a career in art. Right. So with a new person coming out that has no fan base, mm -hmm. how do you tell? It'll take a while for your son's career before he yeah. starts yeah. doing okay. And once he starts yeah. doing good stuff, register your stuff. Start start the beginning. Yeah, start, start now. Start now. Start now. Start now. I had two paintings that appeared on the internet and someone did some previous Photoshop and I had one of my paintings with a topless woman, okay? It was my painting with a topless lady on it, okay? And, you know, somebody said, I, I think this is your art, Don, but it looks different, you know? And I'm going, yeah, you know? And, and you know, it was two different versions, you know? And I had the chance to pick up, and it was like, oh, God, this And then someone wouldn't know that that wasn't what the original looked like. And they go, oh, Don's doing porn. <laughs> Well, regarding image searches, uh, to find things that might be yours on the web, uh, the new Firefox browser, you can do the image search, you can just drag in a picture of yours if you have a particular book cover painting, and it will search the internet for similar images. That's pretty cool. Wow. There's yes. a site called TinEye, too, yep. you can upload a JPEG, it will find pretty much everything. <laughs> when you've got, you know, like 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 us with five, six, seven thousand images, it's really tough to do a search like that. You know, we're talking about, you know, your your day your day job is searching the internet, you know, and um, that's not the way I want to spend my day. One of the ways I learned about all this stuff was in the early days of my career. Uh, I'd hire attorneys to negotiate for me and write my contracts and stuff. But then I would sue with them and I'd question every single one. Why did you ask for that? Why is this stated this way? Why did you do that? Because what I wanted to do, I wanted to learn it all so I wouldn't have to pay it. <laughs> you know, I could write this stuff myself. One of the really valuable things I learned from an attorney, and this was just casually at a party, uh, he told me, uh, whenever you write a contract, call yourself artist. I don't know why. He says, look, if you have a contract, and, and he said, basically, every contract is the document, you write it as the document that you're going to take into court. Hopefully, you'll never need to take it into court, but that is what everyone is about. And so if he says, uh, let's say you get into a dispute with the Walt Disney Company, and on the contract, it says uh, uh, you are identified as, uh, say, Lloyd's uh, contractor versus Walt Disney Company. Who is the jury automatically sympathetic to? The contractor or the lovable Walt Disney? You call yourself an artist. Now it becomes David versus Goliath. Why is the Walt Disney Company picking on a little artist? It immediately puts the jury sympathies with you. So always identify yourself as artist in your contract. I have a bunch of questions, but I'll start with this one. Um, how did you origami? Uh, people have suggested that I sell my work, uh, and, I, and I have. I uh, contacted uh, the original, the guy who did the, the instructions for a couple pieces and asked him for, for permission to sell them, and he said yes. Now there's one piece that I that I make, and I can't find where it uh, where it was originally copyrighted. How would I go about trying to find the person who did it originally? It's the uh, 
the unicorn from the end of the movie Blade Runner? Mm -hmm. Who would I contact to find out where that design came from so that I could ask the artist if I could sell it? Uh, the first person I contact would be Larry Paul, the production designer. Okay. Uh, and then uh, if he doesn't know, he might not know who would know. It might be his art director might know someone on the staff would know, or, or props. Since since the actor actually held it, then it shows an actor picks something up and becomes a prop. Yeah. So the property master would, would also know. <laughs> so you can look on the film credits, see who the property master was. And people in the film would be pretty easy to track down. It, it might possibly be in the commentary as well. It might be in commentary. I've listened to it. They, they just talk about why they did the work on that, who created it, or where it came from. They never give artists credit. <laughs> <laughs> There's something we haven't talked about yet, and it's um, an integral part of the copyright um, agreement, and that is work for hire. Um, this is a little box on the copyright form, okay, and when you check it, okay, you're toast in, in, in a lot of sense. And I'll try to explain the difference between work for hire and non-work for hire are all rights. Work for hire involves you transferring authorship to someone else, which means you are no longer the acknowledged creator. Okay, you cannot hold up what you did and get your picture and say, "I did this." You can't. It's not yours anymore. It is gone. You have given this away. Okay, it is no longer yours. And what you've given away is all income that could possibly ever be received from that image. Okay for your lifetime and that of your kids, okay? That's what the, that little box does. You want to treat your kids that way? <laughs> <laughs> now, when you are dealing with uh, gaming companies and motion picture companies and everything, they insist, and in the copyright regulations, and, and this guy got around it, bless his beautiful heart. I no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, textbooks and motion pictures are generally accepted to be work-for-hire items. And, and the reason being is that in most cases, the motion picture is developing a image and multiple people are working on it and they're in it to make money from their collective image. So one little cog of that, they don't want spinning off in there and, and doing its own thing. So, and, and the same thing with textbooks. And so that's sort of the reasoning behind it. And that's why when you, know, you get a motion picture contract, they insist on work for hire. Now, Bill has you know, set up press out. Yeah. You know, and it's you get the job or you don't. It's not you know? stole. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can, you can it. It's a contract. You negotiate. You know, I negotiated one time with uh, uh, National Geographic, which is you know, all rights, period. All rights. You know? and, I, and, and because of weird circumstances, I said, no. And you know, I, I said, give me the kill fee. And they go, we're in production. You like what you're doing? I go, well, then change your contract. But we're in National Geographic. And I go, I'm done. You can see You know, we're done, you know? And they said, but, but, all right, well, we'll find one. You know, and I stonewalled them. You know, they said, okay. You know, I had them a bit over the barrel. I couldn't do it on the first day, you know, because, but, you know, actually, I worked with National Geographic Kids World Magazine, and they were much looser. When I work for the magazine itself, it's all rights, it's this, it's that. And they're, and they're trying to explain to me that, you know, this is helpful to you because we're going to sell it again and again and again. And pay you. And pay you. They, they, they do. They, they sell secondary rights to other countries and they pay you for it. So it's not a bad deal. But I said, but you control it. I want to control the reproduction rights, not you. I'm, I'm happy to let go ahead. 
sell it anytime you want and give me a payment. Great, but I want to be able to sell it too, and you're not allowing it. You know? And they said, well, uh, whenever you're selling it, let us know. And I go, fine, no problem. You know, every time I, you know, I, I did something with that image, I let them know. The problem I have now is that art director is gone, so do I have to let the next art director know? I have to double check my contract, you know? But, you know, it's a situation where, you know, they don't want, you know, like, you know, harebrained things going on with the National Geographic images. But, you know, I don't want to not be able to do harebrained things with my image, because, you know, I want the control of it. And the difference with all rights is you can have your picture taken with it and say, I did this, I have authorship, okay? But any reproduction of that image is someone else's. Okay, and sometimes in a contract they say, well, you have permission to use it in your portfolio, but it has to be in the contract. Otherwise, all rights means all reproduction rights. Any reproduction of that image, okay, is yours. Like, you know, for example, Captain Morgan, you know, I can say, I did Captain Morgan, okay, because I did all rights, but I can't really hold up Captain Morgan and, and, and reproduce a print of it and say, look, you know, I did Captain Morgan, I have to ask permission to have that image in with my name. I think that's really degrading. Ian McKegg is a friend of mine, and he recently did a beautiful book called Shadow Line. And there were so many images he couldn't use in the book because he couldn't per get permission from the people he did those images he for. He lost control and of I his said, own work. Ian, that's, that's obscene that you can't use your own work in your own book. Was it TSR did the same thing to oh, you yeah. guys way back? You know? No, so, no. You know, Please, 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 let me use my own art. Yeah. Yeah. Cease and desist they want to. <laughs> <laughs> once, once in a while, I, I will sell a rights buyout, and I make the take yearly for it. But I do a rights buyout. I include a very important clause in all my contracts, which says that the artist retains the right, you know, despite that there's a rights buyout, the artist still retains the right to use the image in and I keep it as vague as that. I don't say because I don't know what media is going to be developed in the future. And that way I never have to go hat in hand and say, could I please use my own art? Uh, that allows me to create Could you repeat that? Could you repeat that, please? No one in the business gets fired for saying no to you. They would they couldn't be fired for saying yeah. But if you've got that clause in your contract, you don't even have to ask it. <coughs> Say that statement again. Okay. Artists will change the right to use the image in retrospectives. And so that could be magazine articles, it could be book collections, it could be DVD. Let's get this yeah, I just wanted to clarify on work made for hire, there's actually two different ways that uh, uh, one of your works can become a work made for hire. I wanted to clarify because definitely pay attention to the contract is important. Uh, the statute says um, that you can only make a, wor a work a work made for hire, which means, by the way, the person doing the hiring is actually considered the artist and the author. That's what you were talking about. But that, that only applies to certain types of works, and they're listed in the statute. Yeah. And it's like movies, tested tests, textbooks, uh, encyclopedias, that sort of thing. Yeah. But there's a second one, okay? And a, a work can become a work made for hire if an employee does it within the scope of his or her employment, yeah. mm -hmm. which is the whole agency principle uh, law. Yeah. And this can come in if, in commission works, right? If someone commissions a work, you have to make sure you're an independent contractor and not an employee. Because yeah. if you do it as an employee, there's a commission work, and you don't get any of the copyright to start with. Right. That's right. It's absolutely right. That's, yeah. 
also keep your original artwork. Well, in the digital age, there's no reason for anyone to have to send any originals to anybody anymore. You can just send them a, a digital copy. And then, it, and if they do want the original artwork or insist on it, they can pay for it. Okay, I've so, got a question for each. Yeah. I'm starting to do one more of just my own painting to sell the question. Yes, if I wanted to sell a second rise, or even first rise, first uh, I should go ahead and copyright it, <coughs> even if I know it's just something I've done and I'm supposed to. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Because you don't know, the guy you're selling it to can everything. make anything from it. He'll photograph it. You don't have to. No, 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 no. The guy you're selling it to cannot. I don't want him to. I know you don't, but, but if, I could, don't, if you don't register, you're going to be in trouble. And you, you know. Okay. No, we can't. He's saying he might. He can't legally, but he could yeah. do it. Physically. Oh, he could physically do it. No, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm saying that, you know, but if I should go ahead and put my little circle C on the paint. You don't have to. People say, don't put that on there. I don't like it. You don't have to. I know. But I mean, I want to get it. I'm like, well, are you going to bitch about this? I'm sorry. I wouldn't have taught me into not doing that, okay? You can put it on the back, and then you can't You can't do it on the back, too, on the original piece. I'm going to put it on the front, though. Would you rather put it in the center? 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 Put it right through their face. Listen, there's a very important phrase to include on all your contract negotiations. Once you have not done um, all rights contracts and you have not done the work for hire thing, Every contract that you negotiate, add a line that says all rights not mentioned above remain the property of the artist. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's really good. Yes. So for example, we come in and buy at the art show an original from you. We're just getting the original. You retain the rights to further sell that or reproduce yeah, it. That's right. right. There's a there's a sticker that I made for the back of my painting that says reproduction <coughs> rights are not part of this size sale of the original art. Okay. And you, you, it, there's that, I don't know the, the term, if I had a penny with me, I'll tell you what it is, but basically you have to seek permission from the artist to reproduce it, which actually means you can't put it on your website, you can't put it on a, you know, and, and I, I kind of wink and nod when people take a photograph of their wall and all their, you know, their whole collection. But the idea when you take a picture of the painting and you put it big on the internet going, look what I bought, you know, and then, you know, it means it, it, Someone else can copy it and rip us off, okay, with the high res resolution on the internet. So we really don't want artwork put on it. And I, and I pretty much say, I'll give someone permission to put it on their website with the stipulation that it's in low res and you put art copyright Don Mates. If that's on there and you and, and I can say permission granted on there, fine, you know, I don't, I don't mind because you're protecting my copyright by making that announcement. <coughs> How do you guys feel about, as far as putting your images on the web, your websites represent your work, about putting copyright notices behind your image? You should do it. I, I make an announcement at the beginning of my website that all the material in here is copyrighted images. And so I'm, I'm covering my back. I'm not putting, like, copyright across the, the, you know, the whole image or doing these watermark things. Because, you know, I, I think watermarking is just a challenge for nerds, you know? Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, the idea is do it low res. 
I'm not at the forefront of this. I was in an organization called um, the Illustrators Partnership, oh, yeah. and they're the watchdogs of the copyright laws. And you know, there are companies like Microsoft and and Corbis and and. Um, uh, you know, Google, Google, yes, and but Facebook. Put everything okay, in the public domain. yeah, they're trying to get so that they don't have to pay us for images. And you know, intellectual properties they want to get for nothing. I don't even the thought of the stealing rights like that. Well, what would they do if you come and stole all their stuff? Oh, they, they, they but, I mean, how, how do they for the orders that eat the, 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 the nerve? <coughs> You take away artists, writers, musicians, all the artists, it's like label model. Yeah, know. well, so what they want to do. Corporations have no souls, they don't think they're... No, they don't. They don't. <laughs> you know, there's a devil seed. Um, anyway, uh, an example, there was a, an artist that I knew that did very unique work, and he went to one of these um, stock agencies, okay? And basically what a stock agency does is take your artwork, and by contract, they resell your work for second rights to other times. So you're getting another paycheck for the work you already did, which sounds like a nice thing. Only the contract says you're giving them all rights to do this forever, okay? And what you've just done is give them carte blanche to, to set prices. And so the guy was making, you know, a couple of hundred bucks each time they, they resold this, and then they got more and more art, and what they ended up doing was started selling them for like $11.99 on the internet. So here's a guy, instead of making, you know, a decent income, and what was happening was because of Photoshop and all this stuff, people are buying, you know, his images for $11.99, and why bother hiring them to do a job? Because they're getting his work for 11 bucks, you know, we'll just Photoshop and change it a little bit. You know, we have to pay this guy a thousand, two thousand, whatever it is to commission him. We got his work here cheap, you know? And the guy just about went to the toilet because of that, you know? I mean, his career just went, where do you go when you're competing against yourself? Because you signed a contract and didn't read it and understand the ramification. How often do you go after someone for derivative works? When I can, yes. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I remember, I remember talking to Frazetta when I was much younger, and, you know, he said, I saw that John Carter game card, game cover you did, and he gave me the evil eye, and I said, <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, it was a lesson to me, saying that, you know, like, I get a, better be careful how much I'm influenced by another artist, you know, that, that originality thing, you know, even if, even if you're not copying them, if it looks like he did it, you're not doing yourself a service or the artist that you're um, you're imitating. So Calling it an homage won't save you. <laughs> I, I've got a question to ask. I've never dealt with this because really, you know, past few years I've been part of them. But I talk to a lot of young artists, and like they're getting ideas, they're getting photos, model photos. They're getting all the stuff in place like deviant artists, stuff like this. What I mean, they go there. These places, uh, I, I haven't been, but these places we can use, all this, all, all this stuff is there for the public to use. Models and uh, photos, uh, uh, all this stuff is like, I just get all my information and stuff to do my painting from DeviantArt or some of these other names. Right. Like, 
What's the deal on that? Using the same photo as somebody else, do you yeah, know, risk creating a in, in, conflict like, of What have you got now? Yeah, what if somebody puts up an image of this beautiful model and, and 137 artists use this same yeah, pose? It's fitting into the copyright suit. What? 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 Trouble. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody looks like they're ripping off someone else. Yeah. 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 But it's like everybody like this. Like everybody got the same beautiful model. Like, they, they use this because the guy says you can use it. It's easy and quick. And then and then you got a right. hundred artists It's done a, a painting using the same pop you pose for their center part. What's the deal on this? Did you see right. this in the motion picture industry? When I was working at um, you know in, in Texas and Aunt Bowie, you know, the artists thought nothing of going to the internet and grabbing other artists' work and morphing it, changing it, because they've got Photoshop skills out the wazoo. They figure, well, anything is fair game, but I'll just change it a bit. And they can't change it enough. If you shoot your own photographs, okay, there's no danger of, of you don't have to, you, you actually do less work because you don't have to cover up so much of what you're swiping. And if you're, if you're illustrating right, you're starting from thumbnails and if you're stuck with a photograph and trying to build a, an illustration around it, you're doing it wrong to begin with. So don't do it. <coughs> yeah, the, and, and, and last year I did this class about you know going to figure drawing, okay? And the idea is that photographs lie. I mean, they're, they're informative, but they lie. You know, the camera lens is doing things that your eye is not doing. So you know, the, the color is changing so radically you can't trust it. You know, I mean, there's information there, there's valuable information, but without your brain behind that information, it becomes yeek. You know, I don't know, that, and that's a technical term. Uh, you know, you're, you're dealing with, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, you have like, you know, a telephoto lens or a wide-angle lens on something, and the face starts doing this, and then you use another photograph that's a wide-angle lens of a different portion, or a landscape lens, and the light sources are all different, and it's just, it screws you up, you know, it really does. You know, use photos very, Jim Gurney wrote a, has just written a book based on his blogs, and it's called um, uh, Color and Light, you know, and he goes That's into what what photo photography can be used for and how to use it, you know, use it in black and white. Use overexposures and underexposures, you get information from both sides, you know, but when you get a photo <coughs> off the internet, God only knows where it's been. You know, and how it's been manipulated, or what's going on, and you know, you can't trust the information. You know, if you've got a model in front of you, or you're out outdoors, or you're you're taking your own pictures, it's valuable information. When you get it secondhand, it's it's, you know, to a degree you have to use it. You know, like if you're doing, you know, like a famous person, you know, just be careful what you what reference you're using. No, but you know, be aware that your reference is not trustworthy. Oh, yeah. And use it carefully. Yeah, there are celebrity blogs that you cannot create art uh, uh, where you do any merchandising like uh, say trading cards or outfits or, or posters or prints or anything that uses the likeness of a famous person. Especially in California. Yeah. Well, yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. Uh, I found that out when I was uh, I did some, uh, what if it's parody? I mean, I, I think it's different for parody. But I, I did some, uh, it was the year of the blues a few years ago, and um, Shop Factory Records uh, licensed the Robert Crumb images from the blues trading cards to use as their CD cover. But there are a few artists that, that musicians that he hadn't drawn, and he didn't feel like drawing anymore. So they contacted me to do them in the same format as, as Robert's. And I had so much fun doing them, I didn't want to stop. And so I kept doing them. I was laid up for a while, and I ended up producing about 100 of these. 
uh, and after a while I thought, oh, I should do these as a trading card set. So I called up Dennis Kitchen, who was the guy who originally published Robert's trading card sets, and he said, uh, Bill, you ever notice anything about Robert's, the guys he chose? I go, yeah, they're all those really ancient guys. He goes, yeah, it's public domain. He says, do you really want to have to go to Jeff Beck and get his permission to use that image of him or, or the family of Muddy Waters? Or, now, well, you've done how many? hundred? You've done a hundred times? Uh, I said, oh. He says, but different rule for books. Books are not considered exploitation. Books are considered a, a positive education of the public. And so you don't have to go through that if, if it's a close season one. So, so I'm, doing, yeah. I'm doing a big book. The first is three volumes. The first volume is 100 Legends of the Blues. It'll have 100 <coughs> There's a company called Stover Publications because um, public domain, and you know, the second it goes into public domain, they start publishing it, you know, because it's, you know, they know that they don't have to deal with copyright. You know? Or they also did the Charles R. Knight book. Uh, uh, animal anatomy and psychology for the artist. And Charles Knight was a fantastic artist, but a terrible business person. And he sold those rights so cheap. And they are reprinting that book to this day and not paying the family a single cent. Yeah, getting back, uh, like I said, my question about this on these sites where you just get all this photos from there again. Remember, every artist out there can be doing the same stuff. Uh, I've always just ruled down my voice that if I use a photograph, even like photographing mountain ranges to use them, so I said, where do you get those mountains? Either I took the photograph or I would get out my reference books and look at mountains for a while to sort of get in the, 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 the rhythm of the mountain groove and then you close them up and you start growing your mountains. So you can, and so, you know, then you're clean, you know, and they won't look like in those photos. I've done desert. I'm not in the desert. It's alien to me. So I get the desert books out. I look through desert, look the desert stuff. And then, then I draw a desert. And then the little vegetation, I'll go back and look at some of the little vegetation. Like, okay, yeah. that's. And I just, I won't copy that one, but I'll like, okay, you get the flow. It's got the leaf patterns. So you do some of that. The figures in the paint, shoot my own or make a block. You know. And I've always done it. And just because, and not so much about, well, this is before the internet. I always did that because it's like, I know that this is original stuff. And um, it might take a little bit more time or a little bit more of a pain in the butt. Or if you got a buddy who's going out to vacation in the Rockies, and say, yeah, with the digital, he's not shooting me a bunch of stuff, throw on a CD, it's just good reference stuff, you know. And, um, uh, but. What I do, if I have to, you know, if I need a photograph, and I, and I will project and trace a photograph, but I do it badly. Okay, it's just rough. Okay, it gives me the proportions and everything, and then I'll use every other reference I have to finish it off. So it, it's my drawing. It's coming from here. You know, yes, I like I like the idea of this pose, but generally it's never really what I want. So I'll change this. I'll move this around, change it, and, and by the time that photo it becomes almost immaterial. You know, and, and and if you do like a charcoal drawing, okay, before you do your painting. And the charcoal drawing could be based on like numerous photos, but when you paint, use the drawing from the photos to make the painting. So what's happened is you put yourself in the process. But when you, you know, blindly trace something, okay, yeah. and, and unless it's even if it's your own photograph, photos lie. 
You know, you know, so you know, use them as a resource, but don't use them as gospel. Yeah, Frank Presetti used to occasionally shoot photo reference for his figures, but he would deliberately shoot all of them out of focus because he did not want those photos to influence to tyrannize them. Yeah. yeah. He didn't want want to be a slave to those photos. He yeah. wanted his own interpretation, so by deliberately shooting them south focus, he got the, the basic light patterns and stuff yeah. and the, the way the shadows fall. That's a good but, idea. but he could just do it his own way of crawling in. That's a good idea. Good reason out of focus, so we're going to include the details. Yeah, so the details. <coughs> and again, somebody just want to go like, when I do use my own photos, I always convert it to grayscale. Yeah. For the drawing, I'm not. And color is 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 your baby. Yeah. You're gonna, you're control, you're God. You control the light and everything else. But, but uh, yeah, Rockwell found that a lot of time, if if he didn't do that, he'd be tyrannized by the color. He still, yeah. he would have to do whatever color it was, yeah. rather than yeah. creating. That's what I was like. Uh, just convert to crazy you know, just look at the shapes and form and direction of your um, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about uh, public domain and what exactly that means. I know there are a lot of misconceptions out there about what is and isn't actually under the purview of public domain. Uh, Pre-1923. <coughs> uh, that, that, that's because, why 1923? Because that's the year Steamboat Willie Mm -hmm. they, Congress passed that law to accommodate the Walt Disney Company so they wouldn't lose the copyright. So anything prior to that is public Your lifetime plus 75 years. After that, if you die. <laughs> if I keep talking about it, I believe it was 70 years, meaning uh, all of HP Lovecraft's work became public domain in 2007. I'm not entirely sure about that. I Star Wars without being sued by Lucasfilm. You can make fair use is in in force for education. Is so it? They can no. sue the they can sue the company that makes the photocopies for Yes. They, they sue Kinko's for that. Uh, no, I'm not near what that young lady wants. <laughs> um, I'm interested to know whether it's possible to copyright a concept as opposed to just a, an image? No, I, ideas are not copyrightable. Okay. And, okay. Once and that's physical. There's a danger when, especially with an artist and stuff, that you're doing, I could scrape on the other side of the I'm going to do that. And yeah. you spread your ideas around other people you see even over, over here, because I have seen stuff that I've told people. 
know, you have a little bit too much bourbon in your skin. Just looking at it, they tell it to them, and blah blah. And I've seen stuff come out later on. It's very similar. Very similar to what that is. There is sort of simultaneous creativity. I know that somebody, you know, somebody thinks it's something you guys think idea. But but yeah, you can't copyright that idea. So if you're Sometimes, you know, lightning strikes. I mean, I went to, you know, I was, I was guest at a world con in San Antonio, and I brought, you know, this painting I did of this mermaid jumping out of the water with these dolphins. And in the art show, Clay, Clayton Moore had a sculpture of, it looked like my painting. same thing. I mean, you know, dolphins and, and mermaids are pretty, you know, but we both came up with the same idea of, the, you know, the dolphins going off in different directions, the mermaid in the middle, and I looked at it and I said, God, I wish I had this for reference when I did my painting. <laughs> 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 there, you know, and Oh, I know it is, but we independently yeah. did the same thing. Yeah. It would be damn hard to prove who did it first. I mean, I have sketches, he had, but you know. Well, that's why I got back to all these young artists using all these photos have been put out there. Use my stuff, and it's just beautiful stuff. Uh, but, but you got, like I said, this is I got a problem with this. It's like all these young artists out here, they're trying to get into it, and they're going to convention trying to sell stuff, and like, oh, and I've seen some, man, that's a neat. Lady there with the drapery, and what do you get? That? Oh, I got that from just like this. Somebody's photographer. These tons of photos, like all these artists can use. And, I, and the first thing he's been like, "Well, how do you know that a thousand artists that use the same thing? What are you doing about your own copyright, your protection? Like a hooker. What's the deal?" This girl has like a hooker. All artists. Everyone's had her. I mean, that's right. Right? I mean, uh, yeah. uh, are we done? Uh, yeah. uh, but what do you do about, you know, as, as you're doing your other art and you keep getting in and selling more stuff? But... Oh, there you go. See, I have a problem. I got a palette for a watch, and I don't know if it's, if it's half past purple or red. <laughs> it's half past purple. In, in terms of policing your copyright, obviously if someone brings it to your attention, you're required to police that. Is there any threshold or a period of time if you don't know about it and it's brought to your attention? Let's say it's been infringed upon for two years because of the internet and human being <laughs> they can really say that you saw it or not. In other words, right. you know, it's your obligation to say, I'm aware of this and I'm stopping. But it's your not it's not your obligation. You're not to search you're it out. Actively police it, I guess. No. That's the fans' obligation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, you know, but I don't think there's a you know, you know, you can't be expected that every day you wake up make sure that you've not been ripped off over the entire worldwide internet. You know, I mean, it's, it's beyond expectation. This is a point I want to make in the book. Exactly. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Drawn Today podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments on the podcast, feel free to contact us at drawntodaypodcast at gmail.com. Drawn Today Podcast is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. You can find more information about VAPN at visualartistpodcastnetwork.com. If you'd like to listen to archived episodes of the podcast, please visit us at drawntodaypodcast.blogspot.com. And as always, you can find the Drawn Today Podcast on iTunes. Today's music for the podcast was provided by Collide. Find more about Collide and their music at collide.net.